Well, welcome to Initiate 2016. If you're using hashtags and social media, hashtag Initiate16. We are so pumped that you're here with us. We have just had such an incredible response to registration and just so much energy and momentum coming into this event. We're, we're pretty stoked. And there's even uh, quite a few more showing up tomorrow, actually. They couldn't make it tonight yet. Uh, so you guys, because you showed up tonight, actually have the, uh, the bonus that you got a resource bag, a, a gift bag. Some of you are sneaking into that s'more snack right now. I see you. I got you. But that's okay. It's all right. Even though Pastor Kathy said a few moments ago, no food in here. You know, you want to rebel. That's all right. It's up to you. There's no condemnation. In all seriousness, though, we are so excited that you're here. We're so happy that you would uh, value this enough to, to, to be here. And pastors, children's pastors, youth pastors, to bring your leadership teams. We value leadership so much. And if there's one event that I get a little bit jacked up about, a little bit stoked for, it would be this one. Of all the events that we do, because leadership matters. We're going to talk about all kinds of leadership matters over the next two days. But leadership matters in a big way. I believe God cares a lot about leaders and how we act as leaders and how we live as leaders. And so uh, I just love this event because it's a chance for us to pour into, equip, serve, support the leaders across eastern Ontario and your leadership teams. So uh, thank you for, for valuing this enough to, to actually bring your teams, pastors. And uh, we're praying that you would be refreshed. And let me just say this. If you're a pastor in the room, can I just say this? You're not on right now. Is it okay to say that? You're not on. So just take a deep breath. I know some of you brought leadership teams and you, you still are leading them while you're here. But for these next few moments, I want you to just be you. And I want you to receive what, what Holy Spirit has for you tonight specifically. So forget about that you got teams around you or whoever's in the room. I want you to just relax and I want you to be refreshed over these next few moments together. And you are, you are, you are so, you're so incredibly blessed to, to, to come and listen to Pastor Matt Tapley tomorrow, all day tomorrow. He's in both our general sessions, and he is here with us tonight. It's so great to have him, and uh, he traveled up today. And uh, I just can't wait so I can get out of the way after tonight, and I'm just going to be taking notes like crazy because I'm always refreshed and blessed sitting under his leadership and uh, definitely one of my favorite communicators that I've ever heard in my life. So uh, we are blessed to have him with us for sure all day tomorrow. So make sure you get here sharp at nine, get your coffee and get in here ready to go. All right, cool. Does anyone have Bibles? Leaders, did, did leaders actually bring Bibles to a leadership conference? Whoo, check it right there. I see some uh, journals, some notepads. You, you guys have your booklets. If you didn't bring notepads, journals, leaders are learners. I, I truly believe that. And so um, leaders are note takers, just saying. So uh, if you came, it would be a shame. It would be a really bad investment, whatever you paid to get here, if you were to go home tomorrow afternoon the same way that you came. So uh, I'm just believing and uh, challenging you, encouraging you to take notes, and uh, we'll see what God has for us. I, I got a message brewing in my heart, so we're going to get right to it. Turn to the book of John, if you would. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. We're going to start reading at verse 1. So if you have your Bible, John's in the New Testament. Hey, I don't want to assume anything, all right? I know it's a leadership conference, but who knows? John chapter 4, 
Verse 1, if you're there, say, I'm there. All right, three of you will wait for the rest. Because we're in no hurry tonight, so. You know, what are you going to do, seriously? You're going to go back to your hotel. You're going to get in trouble. Be told to be quiet about three or four times by different hotel personnel. No, that's, this is not junior high convention. This is leadership conference. It's not going to happen. John chapter 4, verse 1 says this. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Verse 4, in our key verse for tonight. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Now jump down to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Let me read just a quick verse in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 4. It's Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. He says this, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Let's pray. Father, tonight, in a room full of leaders, in a house full of leaders tonight, Father, I pray that you would speak to us as leaders. God, as leaders, it can be tough to listen. We're so used to carrying the conversation. We're, we're so used to carrying the environment, the room, the temperature, but tonight, I'm asking you to speak to leaders in a real and a powerful way, in an evident way, God, that we would recognize in our own lives as leaders and say, wow, God spoke to me tonight through his word. I needed that. And so, Father, I'm asking you to do that. I'm asking you to hide me behind your word, Father. I pray this would go forth. You've planted it in, in, in the soil of my heart, and now, God, I pray I deliver it effectively for you, with you tonight. Bless my pastor tonight, wherever he is, whatever he's doing tonight. I pray you just bless him, refresh him, Jesus, in your name. Amen. I was, I was probably six or seven years into, into youth ministry, and uh, I, I remember, I can specifically remember, lead, to that point in, in my ministry as a youth pastor, I had gotten into this routine of delivering one message, you know, one week, and I know there's pastors in the room, some of you will get this very very quickly, but delivering one message, and then after that message is delivered, you, you know, you get down off the platform, and boom, you're immediately thinking of your next message. What, what am I going to say next week? What do these students need to hear? What do these youth need to hear? And, and that was kind of the flow, the routine that I was in was going basically week to week. Get done one message, and then listen to Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit, just give me a word. What, what are these students, what, are the, what do these people need to hear this next week? And I could specifically remember this one in particular week where, where I had delivered a message to the students I was pastoring at the time, and I began the process of, of asking, inquiring of Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say next week? What's the word you have for this group 
for these people? What do they need to hear? And I was getting nothing. Silence. Crickets. Crickets. That was it. I was not hearing anything. And I remember getting into, into the, the following week. I remember it being Tuesday. And we had staff meeting in the morning. In the afternoon, I, I would sit down and, and begin to think about the message and jot some things down. And, and so I went to do that. And I was hearing still nothing. A clear nothing. I started to get a little bit worried by Wednesday Knowing I've got a message to deliver on Friday night, uh, on Wednesday I started, you know, to hit panic mode a little bit. Like I should have something by now. I'm pretty detail-oriented, pretty structured. I like my routine. I've got it down to a science. Uh, I'm starting to get a little bit worried. And you know that temptation begins to creep in. You know, well, maybe it's time I, I go to the Internet. Because the Internet is a wealth of good sermons, Right? I mean, you've got all kinds of good websites. Sermonspice.com, I could buy one for 20 bucks. Or maybe I could just pull out the points without buying it. I could just read the preview because I'm pretty cheap. Economical, I like to call it. My wife calls it cheap. I'm economical. I cut my own hair. That's not funny. And so I can remember that week. I remember I'm very tempted at this point to go to the Internet and figure out, well, I've got to get a word for these students. Because they're expecting it. They're expecting me to have something for them. And, and so I, I can remember Wednesday, still nothing. And, and by Wednesday evening, I remember specifically Holy Spirit just whispering, a still small voice, trust me. Just trust me. And so Thursday rolls around. And, and in the back of my mind, you know, Holy Spirit's still saying, trust me. Just trust me. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, we've had some nights over the course of the past six years in youth ministry where, you know, those nights where you don't end up getting to speak, you don't feel it's necessary because the Holy Spirit just moves in in a powerful way. And I know he's there every night. He's there all the time. His presence is everywhere. The whole earth is full of it, Isaiah says. But those particular nights where you just don't feel the need to say anything. You're just in awe in his presence. I'm thinking in the back of my mind, maybe this is going to be one of those nights on Friday. So that's why he's not giving me anything. By Thursday, you know, I'm uh, still, I'm sitting down, I'm trying to clear my mind, clear, clear my thoughts and get something, and still I'm here in silence. Friday rolls around. Youth is Friday night. So I'm like, any day now, Holy Spirit, it'd be great. This would be a good time now. Okay, I trusted you all week. Well, sort of, but this would be a great time. And, and I remember getting into pre-service prayer. We believed in prayer when I was in youth ministry. And I remember getting into, into pre-service prayer, and I remember praying, and, and just I'm like curled up in a corner, and I'm just trying to get all distractions out of my mind because I need a message desperately. I am desperate for a message. And so I remember praying, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say? Still, all I'm getting is trust me. And so I get out of the pre-service prayer. We wrap that up. and go downstairs. I'm hanging out with students. Uh, our service is about to begin I remember the worship team got up to, to start playing, and I remember they started playing their first song, and I still got nothing. And I remember saying one more time, okay, Holy Spirit, you know, now would be great. And I remember him just beginning all of a sudden, just as, we're, as I'm singing, as I just released and surrendered fully over to him and said, okay, whatever you want, I'm not going to worry about this anymore. And in that instant, Holy Spirit broke through and began to give me a word and download something into my spirit. And I got my journal out, and I just started to pen some, some thoughts together. And I couldn't write fast enough. It was just flowing now. Like, where was this on Monday and Tuesday? I got up to speak that night, and for the first time after 
almost seven years in youth ministry, it was the first night I, I remember I spoke without notes completely. Not that, it, about, not that that's some uh, spiritual high or, or some place to, to get to, but I remember specifically being able to, to stand up there and it was just flowing. I remember just feeling like I was fully reliant on the Spirit that night. And something shifted in my ministry. Something shifted in, in my heart. Something took place that night that changed me. That I'd never be able to go back in a good way. I was ruined. And I learned, God illuminated to me through his spirit that up to that point, I had become so reliant, so heavily reliant on my own abilities, my own expertise in crafting this wise and persuasive message, as Paul speaks about in 1 Corinthians. I had become so good, so routine at that, I had it down to a science. And in the midst of that, I had sacrificed actually listening for the voice of the spirit. I want to speak to you tonight from the title, Led By. We're going to take three specific themes in these general sessions, tomorrow morning, Led Under, and tomorrow afternoon, Led To. But tonight, I want to address the topic, Led By. You see, I believe as leaders, whatever you are in the room, you might be a youth pastor, you might be a children's pastor, you might be a children's worker, a children's volunteer, a leader, whatever you are, however old you are, however young you are in the room tonight, we, we in a sense, we've become trained professionals at what we do. I mean, we train all our leaders, right? Pastors, you train your leaders to be effective leaders, and you have leadership meetings, and, and you do all the training and all the prep. We've become so trained in this profession called ministry we become so heavily reliant on our own abilities, our own expertise, our own experience. Some of you in the room have been doing this for years. You know how to do it. You know how to do it well. Like you've even seen success. You've got it down to a science. You've got your weekly routine. And, and we've become so, so accustomed to our own abilities. And hear my heart tonight. I'm not suggesting for a second that, that Holy Spirit doesn't work through that. It's not what I'm saying. But in a, in a sense, I feel like we've left the spirit behind. And we become so reliant on our, our own stuff, our own training, our own theological training. And, and I'm all for all of this, by the way. I'm not against any of this. I believe in all of this. But the result of that is we've left the spirit behind and said, I've got this. I know what I'm doing. I, I, I know how to do this ministry thing. It's okay. I, I, I got this. And it's gripped my heart. I, I've been doing this position for just over a year now. And I got to tell you, I got to be honest, and this is no condemnation to any of you in the room. I'm preaching to myself tonight. I'm in this with you. In all my travels, I've had a, I've had a lot of face-to-face -face conversations. I've had a lot of coffee appointments and lunches. In all my travels, I've had a lot of phone conversations with many of you in the room. I hear a lot about programming. Well, this is what we're doing in our program right now, and this is what our average night looks like, and we got this going on, and we're going to start up this program, and uh, just since we're, we're, we're going to do this over here, and, and we're doing this, and this is really working well, I hear a lot about programming. Not a bad thing. Other thing I hear a lot about is resources. 
I hear a lot about the, the greatest, best resource out there. Well, I just, you, you should check. You ever heard of this game? I found this cool game from Download Youth Ministry. I, I found this cool canned VBS on, on this website that, I, that we're going to use this summer. All these great resources and tools that are out there. I say go for it. Nothing bad with that either. I'll tell you what I don't hear a lot of anymore. I don't hear a lot of leaders telling, telling me what, what they're hearing the Spirit saying. I don't hear a lot of leaders sharing with me, hey, you, I got to tell you this. This is what Holy Spirit's saying to me. And it's broken my heart. It's convicted me in this position in the past year and a bit. It's why I felt so strongly to, uh, to go with this theme led for these next two days. That we would come back. We would come back to the basics again. You see, being a led by leader begins with a realization, you don't know what's best. I don't know what's best. I don't know what's best for you. You don't know what's best for your students, for your kids. But I know somebody who does. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit actually knows what's best. He actually knows who's in the room. He actually knows who's in your ministry. He actually knows what they need in any given moment more than you do. More than you think you do. As they sit on your couch in your office and they share and break down and share their life story and the mess that they're in, he actually knows in that moment more than you do what to say. He knows how to counsel them. He knows what you need to say when you get up on Sunday morning in your kids' ministry. He knows what those kids need. He knows what they encountered that week. He knows. He knows better than I do. And he knows better than you do. And we need his voice in our lives. We need to be led by his spirit. And that begins with a stop. It begins with putting a stop to relying so heavily on our own abilities, our own strengths, our own expertise, our own experiences. Those things aren't bad. But when we sacrifice being led by the Spirit for those things, that's a bad thing. That's where we get ourselves into trouble. And so I want to, for the next few minutes, unpack the idea of being a led by leader and what that looks like. Because God has just convicted my heart and challenged me so strongly about this over the past little while. I've got to share it with you. We go to Jesus, and the story we read about just a few moments ago, and Jesus has been doing ministry, and he's been, he, he's been, he's been with his disciples and feels the need to go back to, to Galilee. And, and so John who gives us the account of Jesus traveling back to Galilee, says in verse 4, now Jesus had to go through Samaria. The only thing about that is, if you do any study, if you do any research about that, if you, do any, if you look at a map of Judea to, to Galilee, what, what you actually find is this wasn't the only route. This was one of three routes. This was the shortest to go through Samaria, but it wasn't the most accepted route, especially for Jews. 
Because Samaritans were, were not well received by Jews. They, they were hated by Jews because they were of mixed race and they could not prove their genealogy. And so the Jews did not like Samaritans and it was actually more accepted to take the longer route around Samaria than actually go through the middle of it. But John here in this passage, John actually says, he says, now Jesus had to, he had to, Go through Samaria. Now, why would he say that? Well, I firmly believe it's because Jesus was on a divinely appointed mission. He had to because he was being led by. Oh, you got to get this tonight. He had to because he was being led by. Here's, here's the bottom line of what I want to say more, more than anything else. I want you to catch this. If you could just catch this, this truth tonight. If you miss everything else, just catch this. Led by ministers. Create space for had-to ministry to take place. Led by ministers. You are all ministers of the gospel in this, in this house tonight. I don't care if you got a title. I don't care if you're a pastor, a leader, a worker, a volunteer. I don't care if you're paid, unpaid. It doesn't matter. You are a minister of the gospel. According to, to the book of Matthew that says, go and make disciples, that we're all told to go and make disciples. So you, I don't care if you're 15, I don't care if you're 50, you are a minister of the gospel. Led by ministers create space in their life, they create time and space in their agenda, in their schedules, for had to, for the had to moments, just like Jesus experienced here, for had to ministry to take place in their lives and in their ministries. Come on, somebody. Jesus modeled this for us right here in John chapter 4. He models this, this had to, this had to moment. Dare I ask you tonight, is there room, is there space in your agenda, in your schedule, for had two moments to take place? Is there space for that? I know we can be so driven as leaders, we're, we're so structured in our routines, in our to-do lists, and everything else. Is there space in your agenda to actually be led by His Spirit? which will lead you to some had-to moments. Here's the thing about the had-to moments. You don't know what awaits you on the other side of them. I, I can remember early on in ministry, I was, I was my first year in ministry, just a young youth pastor, didn't have a clue what I was doing, trying to be fully reliant, fully dependent on the Spirit. And I remember sitting in my office one day, but still having this structure and routine that's kind of in me, I'm very driven, and, 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 and I know what needs to get done. And so I remember asking Holy Spirit, I'm sitting at my desk one morning in my office and just asking Holy Spirit, what do you have for me today? What do you want me to do today? Just that carefree, just being led by His Spirit. Yes, I got things to get done, but what do you want me to do today? And I can remember... Holy Spirit speaking to me, and, and, and I just felt I had to do something. I had to go down to this establishment in, our, in the town that we were in. I had to go to this restaurant. I didn't know what was awaiting the other side of it, but I had to do this. And so the wrestling match begins. 
between me and the Spirit. Well, I got this to do, and if I do that, if I take time out of my day and I get up out of this chair and I get in my car and I drive down there, then this probably won't get done, and that's probably not going to get attention, that it needs attention today. And then I thought about what I was saying. Do I really think I know better than the Spirit? Do I really think that if I do this, that something else will be sacrificed that's more important? I mean, the Spirit knows better than I do. What am I saying? And so I remember finally surrendering, submitting to the voice of the Spirit, and I just felt I had to do this, and so I got up. It was around 11 o'clock in the morning. I can still remember it, my first year in youth ministry. So I get in my car, and I travel downtown, and I, I'm parked there outside of this, this restaurant, this pizza joint. I'm parked there, and I just start to pray. I just start praying in the Spirit. I'm just talking to God, and I'm listening. I'm saying, Holy Spirit, why'd you bring me here? What do you got? What am I supposed to do? I had no idea why I was there. I just felt I had to, had to go to this specific spot. And so I'm waiting. I finally get out of my car, and it's about 1130 now. And I remember there's a high school across the street, and they got out for lunch. And so the, the, they're flooding across the street to come into this pizza joint and get a slice of pizza. And, and so I, I'm kind of there and just walking around praying. And so I finally go in, and I get in line because I don't know what else to do. Because once again, I'm getting silence. I don't know why I'm there. And so I'm standing at the back of line, and I'm just praying, Holy Spirit, why am I here? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to speak to? I'm standing in line. I get to the front of the line, and it's now my turn. And so I don't know what else to do, so I order pizza. When in Rome, do as the Romans, right? I order a slice of pizza. And so I take the pizza, and I, I go back out to my car, and I sit there and I eat the pizza and I keep praying, Holy Spirit, why did you bring me here? What's this all about? I got nothing. I drove my car back to the church, got back in my office, and I kind of felt a little bit like a failure. Like I had maybe heard wrong. But I hadn't even had the pizza yet, so I couldn't blame it on that. Church jokes, church jokes. So I'm in there in my office and I'm feeling a little bit like a, like a failure, like... Okay, what went wrong there? I never did get a clear answer. But here's what I believe happened that day. As I look back on ministry, and even months later, I really believe it was a test from God. I really believe it was God testing me to see if I would truly be a led-by leader. Because that was always my desire going into ministry, that I would be totally, absolutely, 100% led by the Spirit. And I believe God was testing me that day to see if he would be allowed, if I would allow Holy Spirit to interrupt my schedule, to interrupt my day, to create time and space, to be led by his spirit that would create space for had two moments. Here's the other principle and the truth that I learned that day. God always tests you privately before he trusts you publicly. God always tests us privately, in our own private lives before he trusts us publicly with something. Little did I know that God would later go on to use me in public ways and words of knowledge and different gifts of the Spirit that would operate and flow from my life. But I would have never known if, if God didn't know he could trust me privately first. God will test you privately before he trusts you publicly. Can you be trusted? 
in your own private life, when nobody else is around, when, it, when it's not going to make a bit of difference to anyone else, they will never know, can you be trusted? Will you be a led-by leader? You know what else was going on there? It, it, was, it was an exercise principle. Here's what I've come to learn as I've searched the scriptures. You cannot exercise what you're not under. You can't exercise what you're not under. Some of, some of you guys want to be able to walk up to your friends in your high schools and read their mail and walk in the authority of Holy Spirit, yet you can't come under the authority of your pastor. You can't come under the own authority of your mom and dad and clean your room when they tell you to, yet you want to be able to read somebody else's mail. It doesn't work that way. You can't exercise what you're not under. You want to operate that way? Pastor, listen to me, youth pastor, children's pastor. You want to operate in spiritual authority over your students? You better come under some spiritual authority of your lead pastor. Just saying. You can't exercise what you're not under. So what does this look like for us as leaders to be led by his spirit? Well, what does that look like in our, practically in our everyday lives? I actually believe it's simpler than you might think. I actually believe it's really basic. It might, it might even sound silly to say it because it's so simple. It's this. It involves three things, asking, listening, and doing. That's it. Don't complicate it. It's actually pretty simple. We ask, we listen, we do. Put that on repeat, and we do it over again the next day. We ask, we listen, we do. Put it on repeat. I, I, I just believe so, so firmly in my heart that we need to make asking a habit, a daily routine, a spiritual discipline again. Holy Spirit, what do you have for me today? What would you say to these people? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to speak to? What do you want me to work on today, Holy Spirit? Because I'm on your agenda, not the other way around. You, you know the reason that we don't ask? And I know nobody would ever say this out loud. And this would be none of your desire in your heart. But you want to know the real reason why we don't ask? It's actually a pride thing. It's a pride issue. Because we think we know how to do it. Now, I know nobody would ever say that. We'd never admit that. But that's truly what we're saying by our actions. By not asking, what we're really saying is, I got this. I know how to do this, this children's pastor thing. I, I know how to do this children's volunteer thing. I, I know, how to, I know to, how to lead this small group in my youth ministry that my pastor has asked me to lead. I got this. That's the reason we don't ask anymore. Is we become so reliant on our own abilities. The most recent podcast we listened to, the greatest leadership book we just read, I, I, I know how to do this now. Again, I'm not against any of that. You need those things in your life. We need to make asking. I try, I try to make asking a discipline in my life. There, there'll be moments where I'll enter, enter a room and it's not even my room to lead. And I'll find myself sitting there in services where I just, at some point, I'll just say, Holy Spirit, if you could say anything to these people, what would you say? Because I'm trying to discipline myself. 
And it's not that I need to be at the front, not that I need to be on the platform, but if an opportunity, if, if I was ever called upon or asked, I want to be ready at all times. I want to be ready. Leaders should always be ready, in season and out. I want to be ready. And, and you know what? What I've found is many times when, when I've asked, an opportunity then comes that I had no idea. I'll get called upon. I, I can remember being in, in youth ministry, and a pastor would call upon you to pray, and you'd have that little extra, not just a prayer, but you'd have that little extra word of encouragement to the house because I had already previously asked, what would you say? Holy Spirit, what are you saying? But it's not just about the public moments. I've learned to, to do this in my private life. Be in businesses and places out in the community where uh, I'll just find myself asking, you know, you're paying for something at a cash register. Holy Spirit, what would you say to this cashier if you could say anything? What does he, what does she need to know right now? I found myself on planes and traveling to, to speak at different places and, and I'll be sitting there and you've got a couple hours beside somebody and I'll just, Holy Spirit, what would you say to this person sitting beside me? I could tell you story after story after story. How Holy Spirit has stepped in after asking. But we've got to ask again. We've got to open ourselves up. We've got to make ourselves available again. And then we need to listen. It's one thing to ask. Probably the hardest thing to do as leaders is to actually shut up and listen. Because we're leaders. And we're used to, we're used to talking. Right? Right? We're used to doing all the talking. We're used to carrying conversations in those awkward silences when you're meeting with somebody and they don't really say anything. And, Whoa, so you like stuff? Well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> we know what to say in those awkward moments because we're leaders, right? We're used to those moments. We're used to doing all the talking. And it can be very hard for us to just slow down and actually listen. And we've got stuff to do. We've got a to-do list. We've got eye calendars full of appointments. And our to-do list and our calendars, they run us. They drive us. They're in the driver's seat many times. Can I just tell you as leaders, it's okay for you to shut the noise off. I mean, we've got these, these smart devices, and they're on at all times, and we're accessible through email, through text, through phone, social media. Can I challenge you as leaders for 24 hours out of your week to go dark? Just 24 hours out of your week to give to God and say, I'm not going to look at this. I'm not going to check this social media site. I'm not going to check my email. I'm not going to do this. To give them 24 hours of your week. It's actually biblical. It's actually called a Sabbath. Who knew God would know we would need that in 2016 more than ever? As leaders, it's okay to be inaccessible. Hear me. If you're, if you're always accessible to man, you'll never be fully accessible to God. What do you want as leaders? If you're always accessible to, to the people around you, I know, people have warned you. You got into ministry and they said, hey, it's a 24-7 thing. You can't shut it off. And so as a result, we've, under guilt, we've been led to believe that we always have to be on. It's okay to go dark for 24 hours. It's okay. You're not superhuman. God knew you would need a rest. 
Take a break. Shut the phone off. Make yourself inaccessible. It's actually biblical. It's a great spiritual discipline. And I know it's easier said than done, but it's the only way we truly have the silence to listen to the voice of the Spirit. I want to hear his voice. I don't know about you, but I want his voice in my life. I need it more than I need to know how many likes I got on Instagram. I need his voice more than I need to know that. And then we need to do. We need to actually submit to what we've asked and what we've heard. We actually need to then do. We need to move out on it. We need to step out and we actually need to carry out what it is we heard the voice of the Spirit speak into our lives. This is where the surrender and the submission comes in. We need to actually surrender and there has to be a willingness in our hearts, in our lives to say, yes, I will do that. It's going to take some courage to step out and go to that person and speak this, but I will, I will do it. I will be a led by leader. I'll do it. Just recently, a couple, couple months ago, I have a, a, a spiritual discipline. I started a few years back in ministry where, where every fall I take a, a spiritual retreat just one day away, just me and God. I become inaccessible. And I usually go out in nature and I take a hike somewhere and I try and get as high as I possibly can. I'll find a route, I'll find a path, a trail, some hiking trail, and I'll get as high up as I literally actually can to a, to a peak, to a lookout point, because I want a fresh perspective. And so I try and get to a high point. And so when I was in Ottawa, I had my spot there. And so we moved to Peterborough over a year and a bit ago, and, and so I've had to find a place here and I found a spot this past fall, and I went out to that spot, and I, I hiked up to this lookout point. Just me and, me and Jesus. No better feeling. And I felt Holy Spirit being led by His Spirit that day to, to actually crack open the Bible and read through the entire book of John. And so I start reading chapter by chapter. It's actually where this mes message, that day where this message was birthed out of. And I'm there, and I'm sitting on a picnic table, and I'm just listening. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me today? And I'm praying into the coming year, into 2017. It's usually this day where I get a sense, first and foremost for my family, what that year would represent. And prophetically speak in and name that, that coming year, what it would be for us. And I always spend the last part of that day before I leave, I always spend the last part just asking God once again. It's that, it's that calibration moment, asking God once again, is this still where I'm supposed to be? Are we still doing what we're supposed to be doing? And it doesn't matter how long I've been doing what I've been doing, I still ask. If it's been six months or six years, it doesn't matter, I always ask. I always finish the day by asking, is this still where you have me? Is this still what you want me doing? And I remember asking Holy Spirit before I left that day, I remember asking Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is this what you want me to do still? I'd only been doing this a year. And I didn't really get an answer, a clear answer right away, and it kind of scared me a little bit. I'm like, I just got here. This can't, Come on. But I did sense this. I felt that I had to continue down the trail. Now, I'd never been on this trail. I didn't know where it led to. But being led by the Spirit... 
It created the space to, for this had-to moment to take place. And so there was this had-to moment where I just felt in my spirit, I have got to continue down this trail. I didn't know where it led. And so I continued to hike. Now, everything inside of me wanted to go back to my car. I got stuff to get to today. Okay, I, I could get back. Got to do this. I got that to do. But I really felt I had to keep going. So I'm going down the trail a kilometer further. Little did I know, it led to this opening. I was in this dense forest. It led to this opening. And here I find myself in this opening. I'm underneath this massive hydro corridor where these hydro lines, these power lines are going through it. I look up to the hydro lines and I literally laughed out loud. L-L-O-L. I laughed out loud. Some of you might think, okay, he lost it in that moment. No, here's what happened. See, a couple years before that, I found myself in a similar position. I was on a prayer walk back at our church in Ottawa when we were ministering there, and I, I would go on these prayer walks underneath this hydro corridor where this path was. And it was on a day when I was contemplating this position where Holy Spirit gave me a vision for this position and that I was to take it, I was to accept it. He told me specifically to look up at this, this massive hydro tower that was holding these lines. And he says, that's you. I want you to go to this position. And I want you to be a, a support system for pastors and leaders across eastern Ontario to hold up the power as they deliver the power across that district that you would be a support for them. And so I had just a few minutes earlier asked, is this still what I'm supposed to be doing? And not five minutes later, I find myself in a hydro corridor looking up at the very vision that God had given me. And the lines were so close in this particular spot where I was, I could actually hear the buzz of the power. I could hear it going through the lines. And I said, I said, Holy Spirit, what's that sound? And this is what he said. Without even skipping a beat, Holy Spirit spoke this still small voice, not an audible voice, this still small voice said inside of me, that's the sound of led by leaders being raised up across eastern Ontario that are going to deliver the power of the Spirit to their churches, to their communities. That's what that sound is. And I was, I was, I was higher than a kite in that moment. I'm telling you, I got rejuvenated, refreshed all at the same time. It was probably a five-kilometer hike back to the car. I made it in like 30 seconds. But here's the thing, leaders. I didn't know what was on the other side of that had-to moment. And had I been so focused on my agenda and my schedule and what I needed to get done the rest of that day, I would have missed out on what was on the other side. What's on the other side of your had-to moment? Who's on the other side of your had-to moment? You see, for Jesus, when he had to go through Samaria, the reason we read 39 to 41, because I wanted you to see what was on the other side of this had-to. The greatest Samaritan revival recorded in Scripture was on the other side of Jesus' had-to moment. Oh, I don't think you got that, because that wasn't really the response that the word deserved there. The greatest Samaritan revival was on the other side of this Jesus had to moment. Had he not followed through, this woman who took the gospel message back to her, back to her town and many more came to know Christ. Because Jesus was a led by leader. 
He was led by. What's on the other side of your had to moment? You know the craziest part of the, about this story? Is that if you, if you study this, if you do a little deeper research, remember the disciples were with Jesus. Okay? Here's what theologians and scholars believe about, and I'm not any of those, but here's what they believe about, about just the way the roads were set up in the path. That, that the path out to Jacob's well where Jesus found himself, the, the, the disciples actually were with Jesus and they left him to go to town. And, and, and researchers believe that these disciples would have brushed shoulders. They would have crossed paths with this woman as she's on her way out to the well. Crazy. That these disciples... Missed being a part of the greatest Samaritan revival because they were led by their own agenda. Man, I don't want that to be me. I don't know about you. I can't speak for you, but I don't want that to be me. I don't want that to be on my account. How many moments do we miss? How many Samaritan revivals do we have to miss before we get it in our heads? We don't know what's best. You don't have all the answers. We need to be led by leaders. We need to be the type of leaders that are led by his spirit again. I'm calling us back. I'm calling Eastern Ontario back to the basics, back to our roots again, where we are led by his spirit, where we throw our hands up and we say, I surrender, I submit. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Even though I've been doing this 12 years, 20 years, I don't care how long you've been doing this job. You don't know what you're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I need to be led by the one who does know. I need to be led by the one who does know. I'm going to invite our worship team to come, if you guys would. We were living in Ottawa a few years ago, and I can remember our family, in our, in our desire, in our attempts to be led by his spirit, we had new neighbors that just moved in next door to us. And, and these these neighbors were young, and, and uh, I remember praying and asking the Holy Spirit, what would we do? And we were in a townhome. We're the end unit. They moved in right next to us, and we prayed and asked, Holy Spirit, what would we do for these neighbors? And so Holy Spirit just prompted us that we had to. We just felt we had to give this sizable housewarming gift. It wasn't normal. And so we felt we had to do this. And so I can remember me and my wife we, we, going over to their house and knocking on their door and introducing ourselves. And they were telling us what they did. And we told them what we did. And I'm a pastor. And I remember us giving, it, giving them this gift. We just felt we had to. We didn't know what was on the other side of this had to moment. A few weeks went by and I actually thought, well, maybe we missed it. Maybe we, we messed up here because maybe they got a little bit freaked out because we haven't heard back from them at all. Not even a thank you, nothing. And then a few weeks later, we were out and we came back home and there's this apple pie on our, on our front step with a note. We took it in the house. It's from them. They said, we feel like we're just blown away by your generosity. We, we feel like we got the best neighbors in Ottawa. This is just unreal. We're, we're so incredibly grateful for where we live, and we can't wait to check out your church with you. We didn't even invite you. How dare you? And so I can remember them coming to church with us a few times. And I remember we built this friendship, this relationship with them. And we go over to their house and they came over to ours. And I remember a couple years into, the, into our, our friendship, I remember 
our, our roof was going on our house really badly, and I, I love home renovations. They actually fill my tank, working around the home and doing things with my hands. I love building things. But roofing is one of the home renos I hate. I did a lot of roofing in my early days after Bible college when I worked at Lakeshore Camp for, for a few years, and I did a lot of roofs there, including that tabernacle. That's huge. That red roof, I put those shingles on with a few other people. It took a long time. And, and I hate roofing. And so I can remember my neighbor, Justin, I remember him coming to me. And we were talking about our roof one day, and he said, well, you're pretty handy. You, know, you ever done any roofing? I said, yeah, I've done some roofing. Mm -hmm. and, and so I can remember him suggesting the idea. He's like, well, I don't really know much about roofing, but you do. So why don't you help me? I'll help you on your roof. You can show me what to do, and then you can help me on my roof. And we'll get them done. I'm like, hmm, he seems like a nice guy. Um, so, so I can remember praying about it. And I remember sensing Holy Spirit being led by his spirit, creating that space for the had to moment. I just remember sensing I have to do this. I don't know what's on the other side of this, but I, I just feel I got to do this, even though I don't want to. And so I can remember us talking and we sat down and we pulled out our calendars. When are we going to do this? When are we going to do this? So I remember him saying, well, well, you got to be at church Sundays, right? You're a pastor and you get Mondays off. So, so why don't we start it on like a Sunday afternoon after church and, and then we can work through. And if I need to take Monday off, if it takes us, I don't know how long it's going to take, but we'll do it that way. I said, that sounds great. Some of you are already judging me for shingling on a Sunday. Back off, okay? And, and so, so I, I remember... I remember the next thing he said, he's like, you know what? Since we're going to start on Sunday afternoon and you got to be at church Sunday morning, why don't we come to church with you? And then we could start right after. Okay. Once again, inviting themselves to church. I don't get it. Little did I know what was on the other side of this had to moment because on the, at the time that he suggested this, I had no idea that that would be a Sunday that I would get an opportunity to preach that Sunday morning. How many know you preach a little bit different when you got unsaved people in the room that you're in relationship with? Hello, it's on. Some of you need to be brought back to that, refreshed. Some of you need to actually imagine an unsaved person that you know and in relationship with. Just imagine them in the back of the room. It'll change the way that you preach. So I can remember getting up there to speak, that's, and I'm, I'm looking right down over here. Actually, it was over here. I'm directionally challenged. It, it was over here, and I remember them sitting over there in the first few rows. I remember at the end of the message, felt led to give an opportunity to respond to the message, respond for salvation. And as I'm scanning the crowd, I see my neighbor raise his hand to accept Jesus. And for the next two days, I'm on a hot, sweaty roof with my neighbor shingling. And we're talking about God. And we're talking about the decision he's just made. And we're talking about the plans that God has for his life as we're traveling out to the dump to take our nasty shingles out there. You see, I didn't know what was on the other side of this had to moment. And had I been driven by my own wants, my own selfish desires, and not wanting to do any roofing, I would have missed out on this opportunity that God had lined up, this Samaritan revival that awaited me on the other side. Who 
who's on the other side of your had to moment? It's a face. It's a person with a name. God's calling us back to be led by leaders again. Who will be led by His Spirit? Who will be led by the voice of the Holy Spirit? You see, sometimes you get to see the results on the other side. Other times you don't have a clue what's happening. You don't have a clue what's happening on the other side of the hat too. Can I share with you? I know I'm over time. Can I share with you one more quick story? I just heard about this. This is so fresh. This is just a few weeks back. This lady writes me on Facebook from Ottawa when we lived there. Apparently she lived across the street from us. Didn't even know her name. Check this out. I boast on my God tonight. Oh, Jesus. Hey, Jeremy, we met briefly on Claridge Drive. That's the name of our street. Let me set this up for you for a second. In our church we were ministering at, at the time, every Christmas Eve and every Easter, we would put on these big presentations, and we would make up these beautiful invites, and the pastor would lay them across the altar a few weeks before that event, and he would call people to come forward and grab stacks of 10 and pray, Holy Spirit, who would you have me invite? Who would you have me give these to? And so we were in the habit being led by the Spirit. I wanted to train my family, my kids. And so we'd always go up and grab some. And I would, I would take these stacks with my kids. And they love doing this. And we would pray at our front door before we took them out and we'd say, Holy Spirit, lead us to the right homes. Lead us to the right people to put these invites in the right hands and do what you do best because we don't know what's best. So check this out. We met briefly on Claridge Drive. Your family had just moved in across the street from mine around Halloween. Or that's, or at least this is when I answered the door to you introducing yourself and your little trick-or-treaters. My husband and I were so curious over the next few months. We kept seeing carloads of kids drop by your house every Sunday night. We were youth pastoring. We always opened up our home every Sunday night to any students that wanted to come over. I can't remember if you gave us a Woodvale invite that day or if it was on my doorstep a few weeks later, but I somehow linked Woodvale to your name and soon figured out you were a youth pastor. I and my husband were not believers, so the Woodvale card sadly ended up in my recycling box. Shame on you. Time passed, lots of time, life got messy, really messy. Then right in the middle of my mess, a young lady I was working with engaged me in a conversation about Jesus. For the first time in my life, I was so curious about Christ. I think it was through my Jesus talks with her that she had mentioned your name. Or it was my colleague who's a part of another congregation. Then your name came up a third time shortly after I joined another Pentecostal church in Ottawa. And the pastor referred to you when he was preaching about the different seasons we come into. Anyway, I felt a tug to let you know that the card you gave me or left on my doorstep ended up being a bit of a seed. I've accepted Jesus into my life. And I'm learning more and more every day. God is working in my life in ways that only He can. Incredible ways, incredible things have happened to me in the past few months. Financial breakthroughs, depression has lifted, a sense of peace and contentment. And one of the very important things I'm learning is how to listen to God's voice. A Christian mentor suggested that things will pop up a few times if they're from God. And since your name has popped up a few times, I thought I should listen 
and write this letter to you. I'm not sure the purpose. Likely you will know or he knows. Take good care. Lisa. Come on. Would you stand in this place tonight? He knows. He knows better than we know. I want you to respond to this word tonight personally, not in groups, but as individuals, as led by leaders tonight. If you are in this place tonight and your desire is to be led by His Spirit, to be that type of leader, I'm praying and believing. Kathy and I both are praying and believing for led by leaders to be raised up across Eastern Ontario again that will come back to their roots.